Welcome to the Dynasty Junkies Podcast with your hosts, Rocky Petrella and Dustin Church. Let's get to the show. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to episode six of the Dynasty Junkies Podcast, a member of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network. I am Rocky Petrella at Dynasty FF Addict with my co-host, Dustin Church at Dynasty Junkie FF. And Dustin, we talked about it last week. It finally happened this week, Monday. We're both in, in Scott Fishbowl 10. How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty awesome. I actually won the 100-yard dash, one of the ones that he's been tweeting out, which was super interesting to see. I had never even seen that, that program before. Um, it's an awesome way, I think, to do like draft orders and stuff like that. But you know, he tweeted out like first 20 people would get in and the, whoever placed first and 20th would, would get it, get their spots. And I placed first. So I was, I, I was lucky enough and got in. So I was super pumped. How are you feeling? Pretty good. Yeah. I, I just got the regular email earlier in the day and I, I was feeling a little bad that you hadn't gotten in too, but, but it all worked out by the end of the day. So it was pretty good. Um, now let's just bring our guest in here who, who's also in Scott Fishbowl 10. Um, and that is Garrett Price. Garrett, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Good, good. Um, how, how'd you do in Scott Fishbowl last year? Uh, did pretty well. I, uh, I actually, it was, I, I was a big fan of how Scott put the, the league together, uh, because the, the first place team, as far as record goes, gets in. And then the team, uh, with the highest points overall, or it would be the second highest points if the, the same team that they, uh, the best record was was also the high points getter would also automatically get in. So I actually did not have a very good record. I think I was like – trying to remember how many weeks the regular season is. I think it's like 10, and I was like four and six or something like that. But I, it was just one of those like really bad luck teams because I actually had the highest points in the league. And so I got in based on that, whereas if it had only been – or into the playoffs based on that – had it not been that, I would have been like, you know, I was in like eighth or something like that in my league. So I was very thankful that that was part of the equation. So I ended up getting a first round bye because of that. Uh, but then I then I was out in the first round of the playoffs. There's a lot of teams that get knocked out each week. And uh, yeah, I didn't make it to. Well, I guess it would technically since I got the bye, it was a second round of the playoffs that I got knocked out in. Yeah, I, I was kind of so so also. I, I think it was just over 500 and uh, I got a little lucky. My team got hot. Uh, anybody who listened to this podcast probably has heard that I did make the finals last year, but uh, I, I finished 12th. So I'm hoping for another good run this year, but we'll see. Awesome. Um, but Gary, I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people know, but if you just want to let everybody know what, you know, what you do and what you're doing on, on, you know, your podcast and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. I am a, uh, a podcaster for uh, the dynasty nerds podcast uh, with my guys, Rich and Matt, they have been doing it for, um, six, seven years now. They've, they've been at it for a while. Uh, I've, I've been at it, at it about a year and a half with them uh, as the third host of that show. Uh, and then I'm, uh, I'm on Twitter uh, at Dynasty Price. And uh, yeah, you'll find all of my, my work. Either uh, I'll either put it out at, on Twitter for the masses or it'll be uh, on the website for, for Dynasty Nerds. Um, one thing I did want to ask you about, I, I must admit, I haven't, I haven't seen it, but I was very interested in it when I saw you tweet about it earlier, I think this year, maybe at the end of last year was the faith in fantasy football thing. Yeah. Um, are you still doing that? So, uh, my last episode was in, it was either in March or April. Um, so yeah, I had about, uh, whew, eight, nine episodes that I had done. Uh, and I'm taking a little break here in between, and then I'm going to start up a, a new season, uh, so to speak, uh, here probably within the next month or so. And I'll do another, you know, roughly eight episodes or so uh, of that. And I'll, I have a couple guests already lined up, and and then I'll do a lot of them where it's just, you know, just me behind it uh, doing that. But, yeah, it's something that I that I really, really enjoy. I take, I take my faith uh, in Jesus Christ very seriously. Uh, and I take my time in, in fantasy football very seriously. And so it made too much sense not to not to put them together. And like I said, I'm sorry, I haven't I haven't seen it myself, but how, how, oh, no how worries. do you combine the two together exactly? So basically what I do is uh, I actually uh, 
I went to a, a Christian university and I've worked at a church for a long time. I don't currently, um, but I, but I ran a lot of like the, the youth programming and the sports ministry programming, like a lot of that kind of stuff. And basically what I do is a, a lot of the same stuff that I would do like for devotions of half times of games or something like that. I would take uh, a passage of scripture and uh, I would use that as um, the main story, but I would find uh, things that were happening in sports as illustrations to kind of talk about and help explain better what's going on in the passage. So, um, you know, it might, maybe it's a, a playoff basketball game, or maybe it's a frustrating trade that you had in fantasy football, <laughs> or maybe it's a, you know, whatever. And I would take something like that and I would put it in. So obviously now I'm just focusing all, all of it around the sport of football. Um, but yeah, and I use that to kind of help explain uh, the Bible passage that I'm talking about. Okay, that's very interesting. I, I'll have to try and check it out. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's it's a little bit different, so. Yeah, definitely. Um, but let's get right into the show now. Um, we mentioned uh, last week we were trying to come up with a name for this segment. I think we're going to go with Fantasy Face-Off. Every week we start off with a kind of uh, comparison between two similar players or two similarly, similarly ranked players. And uh, this week we're going quarterbacks. We haven't done any quarterbacks yet, so um we're doing carson wentz and josh allen um they're actually back to back in dlf adp i think that was may adp i think they might have just came out with the june one but um they were 33 and 34 and the poll pretty much went the same way over 1700 votes 52 to 48 in favor of wentz uh i'm the resident eagles fan here so i'll hold off and let you guys talk first uh dustin what do you think between these two it was really interesting that those are the two you picked because they're both kind of, you know, I could see like, they're both like, like you said, back to back in ADP. Um, and they're both have a lot of hot takes. You know, if you have anyone that loves Josh Allen, like they love Josh Allen. Um, and same thing with Carson Wentz. Like if you're a Carson Wentz believer, like you love Carson Wentz. So it's really like, these are two polarizing quarterbacks and it's, it's interesting, like the, the main argument for Josh Allen is his rushing upside, but Carson Wentz has rushing upside as well. So it's really interesting. I I think I'm going to go, I, I'm with Wentz. I, I like a more traditional passer because I think he's going to last a little bit longer in the league if as long as his health stays up. He he can still rush, so he's going to get you know those rushing yards. He'll get probably three to four hundred rushing yards a year. He'll get some rushing touchdowns, but he's just going to be your more prototypical passer. He's more accurate, and his weapons, I think, are right there with what um, Josh Allen has. But um, I'll take Wentz here. Um, but I can't fault anyone for going Allen. Uh, what do you think, Garrett? No, I'm in the same boat. Um, I do like both of these quarterbacks. I um, have them each one of them on a couple different teams. So uh, it's, they're not my most owned quarterbacks, but, but I do like both players. Uh, but, but I'm also in the Wentz category. My concern potentially with Allen, if I have to compare the two is he is, he's absolutely due for some regression specifically in the touchdown department. He had nine rushing touchdowns last year, uh, which is a really, really difficult number to replicate, especially after bringing in a guy like Zach Moss, who I anticipate they're going to, to be using more often in, on the goal line. And so I think that's the thing. Now he did get the little bit of a boost by, by adding digs to his receiving core, but the, just the passing volume isn't there quite enough. And if you're going to take away what is his most valuable asset, which is his, his rushing touchdowns, I think that that's going to, to to decrease that a little bit. Now, the thing with Wentz is was is injuries, and, and you're going to hear that over and over. But for the most part, I, I think it's been a little bit overblown. I mean, he actually played all of his regular season games, all the games that we care about for fantasy football. He played all of those last year. It wasn't until um, you know the end of the year at the playoff time where where he got injured. And so, yes, those are a concern, and, and, and he could get injured at any time. But uh, I think a lot of that has been some some bad luck on his part, and I expect that to normalize a little bit. So while I, I agree this is a very good poll, and I do think they're very close, uh, it sounds like I'm assuming as the Eagles fan, I, I think we're going to be three for three here. Yeah, and it's funny. You brought up a lot of the points that I was going to mention, which is uh, the injury thing, first of all. Um, in the last two years, uh, Josh Allen and Carson Wentz have actually missed the same amount of games in terms of the fantasy season, which is, is four. Um, and and Wentz is obviously the much better passer. I mean, he's uh, 
he there, he's been knocked for accuracy. He's ne- but but uh, Allen has never been over I think fifty eight percent in his two years, and Wentz has never been below sixty. And uh, like you said, the rushing touchdowns was something else I was going to mention. I, I looked it up, and over the last two years, especially in six point um, t- passing TD leagues. Um, they're almost equal in touchdowns because um, you don't get extra credit for the rushing one. So uh, I think uh, Allen has 47 total touchdowns over the last two years and Wentz has 48. So, and that's with both of them missing some games. So I'm definitely on the Wentz side and not just my Eagles fandom, but like, like Dustin said, I prefer the guy who's the better passer. And it's not like Wentz doesn't have some rushing upside as well. So I'm going Wentz as well. So we're three for three. With that, we'll get into some listener questions that we got this week. We threw it out there on Twitter. We got a few questions. So um, first, I'm going to go with one from uh, Akeem Smiley, uh, at Akeem underscore Smiley. Um, he, he actually had two tweets out there. He first mentioned about situation versus talent. And then he, he threw in there also, you know, production profile, draft capital, situation, talent, uh, combine measurables, and said, how does my man at Dynasty Price personally rank them and why? So let's hear, <laughs> let's hear my man Dynasty Price. <laughs> all right. Uh, so for me, if, if, if all of these things that we're looking at, um, so what does he have down? Uh, production profile, draft capital, situation, talent, measurables. Um, all right. So for me, first and foremost, it's always, it, it's always talent. Talent over everything. Um, you know, I think we've seen a lot of situations where guys get drafted into situations that we think are, are bad situations. Uh, and, and one of the things I always like to say is, you know what? Situations change. Situations change a lot. Uh, AJ, Brown. Change. AJ Brown last year is a perfect example. He was my, you know, I, I had to, uh, uh, take, a take some humble pie on that one because that he was my wide receiver one heading into the, the, uh, NFL draft. And then after the NFL draft, I was like, well, it's it's Tennessee, you know, I don't know, Marcus Mariota. And I bumped him down a couple spots. He was still one of my top three uh, wide receivers. But, you know, obviously looking back, I should have kept him in that top spot. Uh, so, you know, that that's a, a great example. Uh, I, I think last a couple of years before that with Nick Chubb, you know, some people were worried, oh, Carlos Hyde's there. I don't know. Carlos Hyde, guys, come on. Like, uh, you know, we, we saw even the year before that with Joe Mixon and um, oh, who was the uh, the big running back that was there? Jeremy uh, Jeremy Hill. Jeremy Hill was there, and and Gio Bernard was there, and they're like, oh, is he going to get all the touches? And you know what? Look at first and foremost, it's how, how well, how how good of a player is this, and what type of schemes can he fit into? So a talent over everything for me um, by quite a bit. Um, the second would be draft capital. Uh, I think you know sometimes we want to put our own personal bias onto how we feel about these guys, and you know we we might really really like a player, and we think you know yeah they're a lock for the top two rounds, and all of a sudden they go in the fifth, and you're like oh crap, you know NFL teams clearly don't value them as much as we do, and so you know for them to to get an opportunity, they're they're going to have to be taken somewhere early for them to get an early opportunity. More than likely, you have exceptions to that rule. Um, so draft capital would be be next for me. Um, the third, I would take situation. Uh, I do think that plays in a role. And, and I'm going to add situation with a slight slash of uh, type of system because some guys are really, really good system fits. You know, we look at Clyde Edwards, Alaire, and Jonathan Taylor this year. And, and J.K. Dobbins, too. I think people always leave him out in that equation. But all three of those guys went into really, really good system fits for them. Perfect situations for how they play, the style that they play, the type of players that they would need to play with to be successful. I, I think all three of those guys went into really, really good situations where they fit uh, really well. Uh, next would be production profile. I think this gets overblown sometimes. Uh, as far as you know, did they did they rush for so many yards in college? Uh, how early did they break out? How you know all of that kind of stuff? It's good to have that as part of your you know your your equation, but I think it needs to be a, a smaller sliver than these other ones. And last is measurables. Um, I, I think the the combine. As much as I love the combine, I got a chance to go to the combine this year, and I got to see all of these guys uh, do their thing. It's it's one of the most overrated. Uh, aspects of of all of this i believe so that would probably come in fifth for me out of these five 
Yeah, and I think I think you're pretty dead on with most of that. I would say um, situation I think is probably also most important for running backs. Would you agree with that? Um, I think it's more important for running backs than it is for wide receivers. I would agree with that, but I'm still putting talent over situation. I agree with that also. Yes. Yep. But I, but I agree that it ha- carries a little more importance with with running backs than receivers. Yep. You know, you you took that away, so I think we answered that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. There's much else to say about that. Nope. So we'll move on to the next one, which was uh, our buddy Trader Joe at FF Trader Joe, who was a guest on one of our earlier episodes. Um, he just put AFC North RBs. So um, I don't think there's much to say about Joe Mixon, and we'll probably get into Dobbins a little bit later in the episode. So I put down the two other uh, teams here, and uh, I think the most interesting one is probably Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Um, after, you know, Hunt came back last year, they uh, Hunt, Hunt, both of them actually, I think, played as RB2s from Week 10 on when, when Hunt came back. Is that what we can expect this year, or do you still see Chubb as an RB1? Uh, Dustin, I'll let you go first. Yeah, so it's interesting. I actually turned down a trade for Chubb this morning. Um, it was I had to send Mixon away, and I, I like Mixon more than Chubb. But it got me thinking to that situation, and I – Hunt looked really good after um, after he came back, and he took a lot of that work from from Chubb. And I mean, you can look at the splits, and like you already said it, like they were he was a running back one before Hunt got there, and then he, you know, was a running back two afterwards. That that offense has so many weapons and a new OC that I really don't know what to expect with that offense. I think that you know Chubb and Hunt are both going to get theirs. I still think that. It's going to be about a 65-35 split with uh, Chubb getting the majority share of that. And I think Hunt is going to be your more, you know, your pass catching back, your third down back, and, and Chubb's going to be your first and down guy, first and second down guy. Um, but I would definitely prefer, like, if we're just looking at AFC North, um, Mixon as my, my number one in, in the North. Um, I still think that you can start both Chubb and Hunt. I wouldn't want to start on both if I had the same team. Uh, Hunt is more than just a handcuff. He, you know, he's a flex worthy starter on your team. Um, so I think I'm not, I, I would, I like both of the running backs in, in Cleveland. And I think they're both going to get work. Garrett, are you, I believe you're probably a Browns fan like the other nerds. Correct. Uh, I am. I am also a Browns fan. Uh, so I'm interested to hear your take on this then. Yeah. So it's a, uh, you know, Hunt played extremely, extremely well uh, at the end of last season and really showed, uh, you know, how how capable he was. Everybody knew he was a decent pass catcher, but I think he really uh, elevated that in people's minds uh, when they saw them him in, in that role primarily as more of a pass catcher than a runner. Um, but let's not forget how talented he is on the ground. I mean, he, he was a league-leading rusher uh, two seasons prior to that. So, I mean, he's, he's more than capable on the ground as well. So – I think the biggest thing that we need to take a look at is some of the, the offseason moves that the Browns made. One, they added a brand new right tackle in Jack, um, Jack Conklin uh, from the Tennessee Titans, who was who is a very, very good run blocker. Part of the reason that Derrick Henry had so much, just so much success last year was running behind his butt. Um, and then they also added uh, Wills in the draft at left tackle. So they added a left tackle uh, in free agency and a right tackle – sorry – Left tackle in the draft, right tackle in free agency, uh, and and both very, very talented players. So you have an improved offensive line situation compared to what you had last year. Then we have to add the the new scheme that they're coming in. So it's Kevin Stefanski's coming coming in here now. Probably going to be running a lot more 12 personnel. We saw what he did last year with Dalvin Cook, how successful Dalvin Cook has been uh, when he's been able to stay on the field. And then you also have – the new outside zone running scheme that they're going to be running, and which is a perfect complement to how Nick Chubb runs the football. So all in all, I still expect a very good football season from Nick Chubb. Yes, I don't think he's going to get, you know, I think he'd be lucky to get 20, 25 catches. You know, I think that would be, you'd be very happy with that if that's the case. I do think, Hunt, you're going to be looking at more like the 40 range, 45 range um, for, for catches. But I think this offensive line will be uh, – so uh so much improved from last year because the Browns had what it was the 
I want to say it was the 29th ranked run offensive line last year uh, for um, it was either PFF or, or football outsiders. I don't remember which one it was. So it was, it was pretty low as far as that goes. And Chubb still put up 1400 yards with one of the worst uh, running offensive lines. So if anything, I expect his numbers to stay the same uh, with uh, as far as rushing totals to stay virtually the same, just on maybe a few less carries. Uh, but I think Hunt is going to be very valuable as well. So for me at this point, I, I could see Chubb coming in as a mid to low RB1, probably in that like 9 to 11 range uh, as far as running back this season. Uh, and then I think Hunt could easily be a high-end RB2 uh, in this offense. Yeah, and I mostly agree with that. I, between the coaching change – um, and I just expect Baker to bounce back partially because of the coaching change. I think the offense will just be a lot better, and I, I, I think it can support the both of them. Uh, you're probably looking, yeah, low RB1, probably not not higher than that, but still pretty good, and both guys will definitely be startable. So um, the other uh, AFC North running back situation I figured we'd mention is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, they brought in Anthony McFarland. They still got Snell and Samuels there, but Connor still appears to be the, the main guy. Um, and I was looking at it, and he did uh, last year, even with the awful quarterbacking, uh, through week nine, he was, uh, I'm sorry, week, yeah, week nine, he was the RB9, uh, even with the, the poor offense they had. And until he, that's when he got hurt again and was in and out in the line of the rest of the season. Do we think he's still going to be the main guy? Are they going to mix in McFarland? What do you think, Dustin? Yeah, I think that – I don't know if you've been following Connor on Twitter. He seems committed. He's working out really hard trying to put those injuries behind him. Um, I still think that he's going to get the, the lion's share of the work there. I think McFarland is the guy that they're going to bring on slow. Um, and I, I think – you know, especially with this abbreviated offseason that we may have, uh, Connor knows the offense. He knows the team. He's got the trust of that coaching staff because he's he's good when he's on the field. So it's it's good to see that he's putting in the work right now to get himself in shape and keep himself in shape. So I think, and he's going into I think his contract year right now. So you know, this is his opportunity to really show that you know he can be a workhorse back in the league. I I don't see. I'm not really scared off by anybody on that depth chart outside of Connor. So I don't see anybody coming in and taking work from him if he, if he's healthy. So um, I'm buying him all over at his current price. You can get him for a, a early to mid second right now. And I'll, I'll pay that for a starting running back in Pittsburgh. You know, the, that team usually is a high, a pretty good rushing offense and a high powered offense in general. So I think, and I think they're going to, regardless of what you think about Ben being healthy or not, I think they're going to lean on the run as much as they can. They, they know that Ben's surgery was still a big deal. And, you know, I don't think they're going to depend on him to throw 40 plus times a game. So I think that they're going to try to balance out that running game, which is going to be good things for Connor. Yeah, I agree. I think he's being a little undervalued now. Like I said, when he's healthy, he still can produce RB one numbers. Um, anything else you wanted to add in there, Garrett? Yeah, I'm uh I don't disagree with the take because I do think that overall he should be the guy. Uh, I do think he is a talented running back. But at this point I am starting to become genuinely scared about these injuries. Um we we've seen multiple seasons in a row where uh you know he's just constantly banged up. Uh can't seem to stay on the field as soon as he gets back, he gets injured again. Um so I am getting a little nervous and I think I do like Anthony McFarland a little more than other people. Although I don't think he has the frame and the body to be a workhorse back, I do think by the end of the year, assuming the health of both, I could see this being a 1A, 1B situation where Connor's the 1A, but but McFarland is, is going to be annoying, and he's going to be cutting into some of those, those touches, some of those uh, passes and things like that. So I think in the, in the beginning of the year, I think you're going to be very happy with Connor. It's going to be coming around your playoff time that I might be a little bit more concerned if, you know, one, he was able to, to stay healthy for the season, um, but two, how much is McFarland going to, you know, work into this situation? Because they didn't have a lot of draft picks in this draft, and for them to still use a relatively high pick, I think it was only their second pick uh, on a running back, shows that I think that they're at least a tiny bit nervous as well. 
I would definitely use, you know, I, I think Connor is going to start hot. He usually does. I would use that his hot start to try to trade him for good you know, any any future first or a couple seconds that you can get because I still don't know that he's going to be long for the league. There's a lot of talent and they're coming out next year. There's a whole bunch of free agents next year. I, I don't know that he's going to be able to walk into a starting job with his with his history. So, you know, if he starts hot and you don't need him to plug into your lineup, I would be selling him for, you know, a, a lower end running back, maybe even a cream hunt. You can pick up somebody like that um, straight across for him. If if there's a team out there that needs running back depth at the beginning of the season. Yeah, that's a good yeah, good point. And I, I believe his contract's up at the end of this year too. It, it, correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. but um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know that the Steelers are going to spend the money to resign him. And like you said, with the influx of free agent running backs and and some more good rookies next year, I don't know that he gets another significant job elsewhere anyway. So we'll go to the last listener question, which I'm not even sure we can really answer this, but uh, the question came from Ross Verba at Ross Verba. Uh, will we see more injuries during the season due to the lack of normal camps happening? That's certainly a possibility. I don't know that we can really predict that. Um, I think the more significant thing is with the, the lack of training camps and or uh, normal training camp and OTAs is, is what might happen with the rookies this year. What do you think, Eric? Yeah, I agree. I think that's going to be the bigger hit of, of all of it is going to be how quickly do these rookies come along. And that's where you're going to really uh, see some of these things. You know, we kind of always laugh at the uh, the Wonderlick, uh, and and I get why. But, you know, we it is going to be interesting to see these players that are able to grasp things a little bit quicker, that they're able to, you know, put the time into to get the the, the playbook memorized and and all that stuff and there's still nothing that can substitute live reps you know there's nothing that can do that but i do think we'll see kind of the cream rise to the top of the players that you know really put the time and really put the work in have the the capacity to be able to gain and retain a lot of information early versus the guys that might not have a, as strict of a, you know, a, a work ethic or you know might struggle getting all that information and, and it's also going to be the more complex versus offenses versus the less complex offenses. That'll, I think we'll see a little bit of the, the change there as well. So, and, and as far as the injuries go, I don't know that we'll see them as much during the season, but I could see early on in training camp. Whereas, you know, I feel like last year we didn't have quite as many of those, like, Oh my gosh, that guy's out for the year. Now I'm, I am a little bit nervous that we might see that more in camp. I think once the season hits, It'll be fine. Everything will be pretty much normalized. But I could see that maybe more in like, you know, preseason training camp, some of that kind of stuff that happening. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm not sure there's much more else to say on that either. So we're going to get right into our Dynasty Strategy segment of the show. Dynasty Strategy. We decided this week when we started the podcast it was a week after the draft. And uh, at that point, uh, a lot of podcasts had already done a lot of mock drafts and rankings. So we didn't do that. We didn't get in the mock draft fund. So we decided to get, get in on that fund this week. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a mock draft of the rookies, not only the rookies, but also the 2019 guys, the guys that came in last year, and kind of get an idea of where we're valuing them versus this highly touted class and we're basing this based off what we've seen already, not based off what we thought of them last year. So I thought it'd be an interesting exercise. And for the mock draft, we, uh, we gave our guest Gareth a 101. Dustin's going to go 102, and then I'm going to go 103, and we'll proceed. We're going to try and get in two rounds here if time allows. Um, we might do a little bit of a lightning round in the second round, but let's get started. Gareth, what do you think? Who would you draft first overall between these two classes? All right, so you said we got we got super flex and tight end premium. Correct? That's right. I forgot to mention that. Okay. Yeah, I thought it'd be more interesting that way, give everybody a little more value. So yeah, absolutely. So it as much as I really am excited about Joe Burrow, and as much as I think he will be a very good quarterback for Cincinnati, we have the perk of already seeing this 2019 class, uh, and and we know that there's a quarterback in this class that has already been successful. And he got a shiny new toy in DeAndre Hopkins this year. So give me Kyler Murray with the 101. 
Yeah, I, I knew that was going to be the slam dunk. I was hoping that you weren't going to mess that pick up because I was going to end the show right now. You suck. All right. <laughs> I mean, he's already moving up to top three, top four in, in quarterback rankings right now. So getting yep. him um, here is, is a slam dunk. So I, I think I'm next. Um, unless, Rock, you have anything you want to say about Kyler? I think we're all on pretty No, yeah, that I, I, I was my one-on-one as well. Kyler definitely has to be the one-on-one. So I'm gonna I'm gonna buck the trend a little bit. Um, I'm going with Jonathan Taylor here at, at 102. I'm somewhat basing it off of this year. I think that I really am worried about Burrow in year one, just because of the reasons we've already talked about. He's not going to really get that rapport with his team, that not having the off season, and quarterbacks don't usually come in and hit right away. And I think Jonathan Taylor landed in such a great spot. And with the, such a great team that he's going to walk on to immediate production. And um, so that's why I'm going with, with JT here at number two. Yeah, I think that's a good choice. Uh, you guys actually picked my top two guys, Kyler and JT at one and one and two. So um, I actually am going Burrow, though, at 103. Uh, you know, coming off the best college season in history, he's got a, a really nice uh, cast, supporting cast to come in with, with Mixon and and the drafting of Higgins and AJ Green and Tyler Boyd, um, and and you know, quarterbacks and superflex hold value for a while. Even if he doesn't have a great year, he's going to give you value for at least the next couple of years because he's going to be starting. So I'm going with Burrow at the 103. Uh, anybody disagree with that? Nope. No. No. Man, I mean, we're, this, this, we're agreeing way too much here, man. <laughs> it's going, it's going well so far. It'll be interesting when we get later first and into the second round. That's where we're, you know, we'll see our guys really yeah. jump out. So, so that puts me on at one hundred four, correct? Correct. Yep. All right. So this, this is a much more difficult pick than I had uh, the first time around, because uh, there's three or four guys that I could make a really, really good argument for being the one hundred four here. Um, but I, I think I'm going to have to go with Josh Jacobs here. Uh, Josh Jacobs uh, for the Oakland or formerly for the Oakland Raiders, now the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, very, very talented running back. Had a really good rookie season. little banged up there at the end of the year. Uh, but but what we were able to see as far as him leading as far as um, – and I, I don't remember the exact title of it, but PFF always puts out their most elusive backs or the guys that break the most tackles or, you know, there, there's some metric that they they come. And, and Josh Jacobs led all running backs uh, last year in that metric. And so it just shows how, how dynamic he is, what a good player he is. And if they dare figure out that he is a very good pass catcher, uh, then, then all of a sudden, you know, you can make an argument for him being – the, the first pick out of all of these guys. So I really like Josh Jacobs. I know that there's quite a few other talents or running backs that could absolutely be uh, in consideration here. A couple other quarterbacks. You could even make an argument for a receiver or two, but I think Josh Jacobs is going to be my guy at 104. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like if he if they start using him in the passing game, then he's going to his value is just going to skyrocket more. I I actually stole Jacobs in a deal yesterday just because I was worried about the pass catching. Okay, um, I trade I traded uh, Jacobs in two uh, twenty one and a twenty two second for Dalvin Cook. Okay. I, I'm I'm actually trying not to buy running backs going into the last year of their contract, but I'm I'm more of a win now team, sure. and I, I wanted to make that push so. I, I went for it just because I, I was worried about Jacob's pass catching, not be, from the ability standpoint, but from the team using the usage. Yep. 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 Yeah. And, and Jacobs, uh, that's the only worry with me is the, is the, that they don't seem to want to use him in the passing game. And, and they drafted a whole bunch of receivers. They drafted Lynn Bowden, who, who could be a pass catcher out of the backfield. They're calling a running back. They re-sign Richard. So that that's my only worry there. Uh, he should rack up a lot of rushing yards. The offense should be better. Um, I actually had another running back ahead of him, which we'll, I'm sure we'll get to shortly. But um, it's not a bad pick, but I just worry a little bit about the passing usage. That's all. So all right. So, you. yeah. So at 105, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, Garrett talked about it earlier. Like he landed in a perfect situation. Uh, I also am looking at it value wise. He's jumping up. I think he's in ADP running back eight or nine right now and he's climbing. So, you know, he's a guy that I think you can sell for Jacobs plus uh, right now, even though, um, you know, Garrett just took Jacobs over 
uh, Clyde, I'm sure you could actually get something added on to Jacobs to get him. So I'm just I'm just going uh, straight value. I, I do think he's going to show up well in that in that offense, like everybody has. Uh, I still have JT as my one on one in in the 2020 um, uh, rookie drafts, but um, yeah. So Ceh here for me. Yeah, and uh, I like Ceh. I, I'm going to go with a, another running back at 106, actually. Um, and I'm surprised you two let him fall to me, but I'm going with my eagle, Miles Sanders. Yep. That's what I. That's <laughs> where I thought you were going. And, and to be fair, both of those guys were were heavy. I considered both of those guys very heavily at that pick, so I'm not surprised to see him go with the next two. Yeah, and like I mean, to me also, it's like Dustin said, value. I I uh, I believe Ryan McDowell put out June ADP in a tweet earlier today or yesterday, and Miles was at the 112, which I think is is kind of overvalued. Um, I like him a lot, obviously. Um, he's got the he does have the passing game uses. Scott might cut into that a little bit, but they're definitely going to use him in the passing game. And they still uh, looks like they're trying to sign somebody, but they still haven't signed anybody yet to even split with them. It's basically just him and Scott there. So, um, and I think you could trade Sanders for, for, for probably Jacobs plus, or, or maybe even CEH plus. So I'm glad you guys let him fall to me at one of six. So Garrett, uh, you're on the clock at one Oh seven. All right. So at one Oh seven, uh, I'm going to go back to, uh, the quarterback. Well, uh, and I'm going to get take two attack of Iloa. Uh, now, I was very tempted to take uh, Daniel Jones here. Uh, however, I, uh, I, I, think he's a, I think he's a good player. Uh, I don't think he is an elite player. And so I think he's going to, for a long time, be that uh, you know, quarterback like 17, quarterback 14, quarterback 16. Like, I think he's going to live in that range for most of his career. I think he's a good player, not a great player. I think Tua could be a great player. Uh, and I really like what they're doing in Miami. Uh, they they had three first round picks, an early second round pick, and they took Tua. And then with two of their next three picks, they took offensive linemen, uh, which is, I think is a, just a, a very, very intelligent way to build your football team. They ignored the running back position uh, completely in the draft, just got built up their secondary, built up their, their offensive and defensive line. I love what they're doing there. I think that's going to be a very good team in the very near future. Uh, and I think Tua is a very, very special player. We saw how accurate he was uh, over the course of his career, one of the most accurate passers in the history of college football. Uh, and, and just the head that he has on his shoulders. I mean, the kid came into the national championship game at halftime during his freshman season and ended up leading his team back to win it. Uh, I mean, the, the types of things that he's been able to do over his career uh, have just been absolutely special. Yes, there is some concerns with his injuries, uh, and that, but I think that's really the only thing holding him back from potentially being considered over Burrow in this class. It would have been a very interesting argument all offseason as to who's the top quarterback. I really think it was only the injury concerns that held him back from being really heavily considered in that same spot as Joe Burrow. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing, that, that I think if, if he hadn't had the hip injury, we could be talking to a 101, Burrow 102. Um, Dustin, were you going to say it looked like you had something you wanted to point out there as well? Yeah, when so back when um, I was on the Trade Addicts podcast, I think episode 101, I talked about like Tua was still my 101 over Burrow, just because like Tank for Tua was a thing before this year. Before yeah, Burrow, like absolutely. teams were were going to lose to get Tua, and Burrow's still only done it one year. Now it was the best best collegiate quarterback yeah. season ever, but he's still only done it that one time. And Tua, he's been the guy since he came into college and even back into high school. So you know, I I love the Tua pick right there. I'm right there with you, and I think I talked about it on our first episode. Actually, I loved Miami's draft as well. I think it was smart for them not to take running back right now, knowing how many running backs are coming out next year. And, you know, you want to get that line to protect your, your quarterback investment. And so I, th- I thought their draft was awesome. So I'm, I'm right there with you. But um, I think I'm up at 108. So I was going to take whichever quarterback you didn't take. So I'm, I'm going Daniel Jones. Um, I think with the, with the weapons and the injuries and that they faced and, and stuff like that in the team and no offensive line that he actually had a pretty good season. I think if they, they do need like that alpha receiver, but I think once he gets that, like he's going to improve that much more, you know, you have Barkley there, um, you know, T 
Tate, Slayton, and Shepard, and Ingram. Like it's a it's an, a, a decent supporting cast, but like once he gets that alpha, I think like he's going to be that much better. But with everything that he faced, you know, Shepard being on and off the field, Ingram on and off the field, Barkley was hurt for a while, no offensive line, and like he still put up numbers and almost had the one of the better rookie seasons that we've seen from a quarterback. So um, Daniel Jones is the pick here for me. Dustin making Rich Dotson proud right there. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Any other thoughts on Daniel Jones, Garrett, before we move on? No, I think it's a very good pick. It was it was tough for me to take Tua over over Jones because typically I like the proven proven commodity over the rookie. Um, so I, I could have gone either way for me. So I think that was very wise to snatch him up right right there after Tua. Agreed. And that leaves me at 109. So I have two guys I'm considering here. I think I'm going to go with A.J. Brown. Um, I, I like that, you know, we know what we saw him show out last year. Um, you know, Tannehill probably can't be as efficient last year, but I expect uh, A.J. Brown to get a little more volume than he did last year. He wasn't super involved early on. And uh, I prefer... I think, like as one of you said, the proven commodity over uh, some of the rookies since we're going 2019 and 2020. And I'll take A.J. Brown, and I'll leave it to you, Garrett, at 110. Uh, So there's quite a few receivers I like in this range. Um, There's a couple running backs that I I still like as well. Um, Ah, gosh. I feel like whatever pick here, I'm going to wish I picked the other person. Um... but you know, I'm gonna stick with my board. Uh, I, I try to, I try to live and die by my own board. I try to make the, even on mocks, try to make the the picks I take in real life. And honestly, even though he might be available next time he comes around for me, I got to make sure I get my guy. I'm taking Terry McLaurin here. Uh, I loved what I saw in Terry McLaurin's rookie season. Um, I did get a chance to watch him at Ohio State. If even though I was higher on him than consensus, I would be absolutely lying if I said I saw this big of a breakout in his rookie season, the things that he was able to do. I mean, obviously he's a very, very fast football player, but he is such a smart and savvy route runner. I mean, when you even have guys like Darius Slay, who's one of the biggest trash talking corners and one of the best cover men in the league talking, complimenting him on his game as a rookie, uh, you know, you have something pretty special there. Uh, The Washington Redskins did not add any other significant pass catchers uh, in this year's draft. They have Antonio Gandy golden, who I do like, but that has nothing to do with, with Terry McLaurin's game. Uh, and the, the things that I saw, uh, he, he, he gets to play with Dwayne Haskins. He, he, obviously that was his college quarterback as well, but they're getting a new offensive coordinator, which is Norv Turner's son, who we know Norv loves to throw the ball down the field, big plays, big yards for his wide receivers. And the Washington Redskins also, uh, under their old regime, they had the lowest amount of plays run per game. So even just a slight bump in plays run per game, you know, he's actually going to be on a pace to get even more targets than he did last year. Uh, they still don't have any significant tight end help to take away any targets from him. Uh, and I just think he's a really, really talented player. So I'm going to go with Terry McLaren here at 10. What is this for me? 110. 110. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a really good pick. Um, again, the proven production, I think, I believe he had a thousand yard season or very close to it. And and the last would have been close if he, he probably would have had he not missed two games. He had two games. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, the only worry is Haskins, but, but he managed to do it with Haskins and Keenum last year. So why not again? So, okay, Dustin, you're up at one eleven then. All right. So this isn't just because I'm a Seahawks fan, but I, (laughs) Uh, here at 111, I'm taking DK Metcalf. I, you, you're already seeing like he's getting that trust from Russ. Like when when the play's breaking down, which with Seattle's offensive line is every play, <laughs> DK's becoming his guy uh, down the field. Like he's just that big body guy. He fits he fits that system. He fits Russ's play style, and like I just loved him coming out of college and his production in year one was was awesome um lockett is is still going to be there to open up the field for him so yeah dk is the pick for me um you can call me homer all you want but yeah he, he put up last year and i think he's just gonna continue to improve you know a lot of those concerns that we had of him and his route running ability kind of you know i trust pete carroll to to put the guys in the position to be successful so and that's exactly what they did with dk last year 
What a shock. Dustin picks the Seahawk, and earlier I picked the Eagle. <laughs> um, and I, I actually am glad you did because uh, the guy I was thinking of um, when I picked A.J. Brown is still there, so I'm going to take him. And that is J.K. Dobbins. Dang it. Um, <laughs> that was yeah. my other. It was D.K. or, or Dobbins for me. Uh, I, I'm surprised he's still here a little bit. As Garrett, I think, alluded to earlier, he's he's a great fit for that scheme. Um, it's similar to what he did at Ohio State. And he's just an electric player. He's probably not going to hit it off right out of the gate because, you know, because Ingram is there. But um, by 2021, I definitely, I mean, he we could be talking top five running back next year. Um, and, and it's not out of the question this year. You know, when Ingram's 30, he could get injured. They, he could just surpass him. So I'm going with Dobbins. So and, I'm going to I'm gonna jump in a little bit on that Dobbins take. Um, so I'm actually thinking that he's going to get on the field sooner rather than later. Uh, Mark Ingram, his his calf injury that he had was at the end of the season, and it really limited him in, in the playoffs. And you know, older running backs with that, that calf injury. I was listening. To, I don't remember which which podcast I was listening to. I think it was a Superflex Super Show with Ethan Turner, and he was talking about you know that type of calf injury that he had can lead to Achilles injuries. And so I think that there's the possibility that they bring Ingram back slow, and. So I think that's going to get Dobbins on the field for some early touches. And if he starts producing early on and showing he's the guy, then he can easily run away with that job. And yeah, that's that's that brings us through round one. Uh, I'll just recap real quick. We had Kyler at 101, Jonathan Taylor at 102, Burrow at 103, Jacobs 104, uh, CEH at 105, Sanders at 106, two at 107, uh, Daniel Jones at 108, AJ Brown at 109, Terry McLaren 110, DK 111, Dobbins 112. And it breaks down so far. We have seven guys from the 2019 class and five from the 2020 class. So I guess, I guess despite the hype of this uh, class, the, the, the proven production maybe shows out a little more when we're doing something like this. But that leaves it up to you, Garrett, at 201. Well, let me help balance it back out. I'm going to go to the 2020 class. Uh, and uh, we, were, we were doing a Dynasty Nerd show the other day, and it was specifically on the Superflex format. And uh, one of the things that is kind of getting hyped a little bit now is, you know, man, quarterbacks aren't that important in Superflex. They're overrated. Uh, and so, so I was doing a little digging. Last year, Nick Chubb, who obviously I'm a big fan of, uh, Nick Chubb, who was, I believe, the running back, it was either seven or eight in, uh, in PPR. I'd have to go back and look at exactly what he was. But uh, he and Jimmy Garoppolo, who was quarterback like 23 in points per game, uh, he was a little higher overall because he didn't miss any games. But in points per game, he was like 23rd. They had the, almost the same amount of points uh, in, the, in, in super flex formats. And so I think the quarterback position is so important. And so because of that, I think this kid is too good to let fall much further into the second round. So I'm going to take Justin Herbert uh, here at 201. It is tough. There's a lot of receivers on the board here still that I like. Uh, we haven't even gotten into the tight ends yet. There's a couple that could be worthy of taking here soon. Uh, but I think I just think that that quarterback position, if you're able to get a lot of young studs, I mean, you can, you can wait 10, 12, 15 years before you have to worry about the position again. And they just score such high volume of points. Uh, that it can really boo your team each each week. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that at this point in the, in the mock here. Um, and as we've said earlier, they they just they, they hold value for so long as as long as they're going to be starting. Um, Dustin, you're up at, at two o two. Well, I'm glad you took Herbert because that uh, allowed me to take CD Lamb here at two o two. I just you know everyone knows with. about. Uh, <laughs> You know, everyone knows CD. Like he's, he's probably he's the best wide receiver in this in this draft. Uh, you know, he's went to an awesome situation. Yeah, it, there's a lot of massive feed. We've all heard that, whatever. But like the path is there for him, and he's just super talented. And like Garrett said earlier, like talent is the number one, and he's just super talented. So. Yeah, and I think I've mentioned before on on the pod that um, originally I was a little frustrated with the landing spot but didn't take long i mean it's a great offense uh, he's going to show out I, i'm not that worried about the situation even though it's a little bit crowded there um he's got a, a very good quarterback throwing to him um so that leaves me at 203 um and i have a couple different guys i'm looking back 
looking at here, running backs, I think I am going to go with DeAndre Swift. I'm a little worried about, you know, Detroit, Matt Patricia using running backs correctly and and how that's going to work out. Carry on is, you know, not a bad player either. But um, he was a lot of people's uh, 101 before the draft happened. And um, he's super talented. Uh, I can definitely see him getting a lot of the passing game work, even though carry on can do that as well. But um, what do you think about DeAndre Swift, Garrett? No, I'm a DeAndre Swift fan. Uh, he was my RB2 coming into the draft. Um, I think he is a an incredibly, incredibly talented player. It really is a question of, you know, w- what is the situation going to be like? But but all in all, it's it's talent over situation. And so uh, I think to, to get him this late is, is a steal. Um, and it just shows the, the depth of these past two classes as well. Okay, that I think that brings it to you at 204. All right, I'm back. All right. Um, man, these are getting harder and harder because there's there's just so many good options and so many players I like. And the hard part is I haven't drafted with you guys enough to know, like, okay, what players are they really going to like? What players do they not like? Um, so so I, ha- I don't have any of that, that uh, waters, uh, those waters that I can navigate very well. But uh, I'm going to go with a player that was my uh, wide receiver too. Uh, well, Two three, it was it was basically a toss up for me, uh, but got a got a slight bump based on their situation. And uh, I'm gonna Rocky, I'm gonna go to your Philadelphia Eagles, and I'm gonna take Jalen Rager here. Uh, I'm a big Jalen Rager fan. Really, really liked his tape. Uh, it was a tough situation in TCU this past season, uh, but you still saw the flashes of what he is able to do with the ball in his hands. Uh, he becomes uh, it, it becomes a circus uh, when he is in the open field. Because uh, he is just so difficult to bring down. He's elusive. He's powerful. Uh, and even for a guy with not huge stature, he's very good at contested catches, can high point the ball very, very well. Uh, I'm a big Jalen Rager fan, and really there's not a lot of receivers to go around right now uh, in Philly. And so I, I think he's going to uh, have an opportunity to get a lot of targets. Yeah, I love the Rager pick. And uh, Dustin, uh, we're going to try and move this along a little because we're, we're running long on time. So <laughs> um, let's go to 205. Who you got? I'm going to just uh, take the first tight end and take Noah Fant, tight end premium. Um, great situation. Looked good last year. Not worried about Albert O coming in. I just think there's so much, so many weapons there that he's going to be able to, he's not going to be double teamed. They're going to be able to spread the ball around. That's going to open him up um, quite a bit. So I'm going Noah Fant. Okay, no fan. Um, and I am up at 206, and I am going to go with Noah Fant's teammate, Jerry Judy. Um, he's a great route runner. He's uh, coming into a pretty good situation. Uh, Shermer uh, is there and uh, has done really well with quarterbacks. I like Locke this year. Um, he does have Sutton to contend with and Fant, but I definitely think he's definitely got wide receiver two potential at least um, with maybe more, but I'm going to go with Jerry Judy. So 207 is now up to Garrett. Uh, I think the uh, guy that has fallen quite a bit, and I'm surprised how far he's fallen, I think he could have easily gone at the uh, end of the first round is, is Debo Samuel. Uh, from the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, another guy, electric with the ball in his hands. We saw how well he performed in the playoffs, really became the man in the alpha male in that receiving core. I like Ayuk, but uh, I'm not I'm not overly worried about that. I think he'll be be one of their top weapons for, for the foreseeable future. All right, and the other the guy that I thought you were going to go with that I, I see dropping a little bit, um, maybe not over some of these guys, um, but Cam Akers. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, I'm going to take Cam Akers here at, at 208. Um, I, I, I'm not worried about anyone else really in that backfield. So I think that he's going to have an opportunity for touches uh, on week one. Okay. Yeah, I, I have no problem with that Akers pick. And I am going to go with TJ Hawkinson. Um, it is tight end premium. He didn't show a ton last year, but... Um, tight ends rarely do in their rookie year. I, I still like the talent a lot, and uh, I like Stafford to 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 show a lot this year. Um, so I'm going to go with Hawkinson. All right, so this is my my final pick, correct? That yep, is correct. All right, uh, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay on brand, 
And uh, a guy that I hyped up a bunch last season uh, as a late round flyer had a fantastic rookie season, and uh, I think uh, I think he's still, even though he's he's gaining some steam, gaining some momentum, I still think he's underrated. Uh, I'm going with Darius Slayton. Uh, I think he is a fantastic football player, and he put up very very similar numbers. Uh, to all of these other wide receivers, despite missing the first few games, having no preseason, no training camp, he was injured for all that, comes in week three out of the gates, and it is looks like an absolute stud. Uh, so I would love to see what a, what an offseason and a, a full 16 looks like from a man Slayton. I honestly thought you were going to go Deontay Johnson because you said a late late flyer that's been green and a whole bunch of steam because everybody value, loves Johnson. Everybody loves him. I love his value right now is going like crazy. So oh I, I assume that's where you were going. So no, I like the Slayton pick. So all right. So I'm my final pick at 211. Um guy I was actually thinking about taking up at 205 and he, he fell to me right here. I don't necessarily love him, but he's got weapons all over the field. Um, and that's Drew Locke. I think just getting a starting quarterback at the end of the second right here with, with the weapons, he's got all the opportunity in the world. Um, yeah, Drew Locke right here. Pick. Easy pick. Uh, you snipe me. Um, I, I have two guys left here I'm looking at, and one of them you just mentioned, but I actually think I'm going to go with the other guy. I'm going to go with Justin Jefferson. Um, I think he has a chance to really perform his rookie year. You know, Diggs left. Um yeah, uh, he's. He, I think he's definitely a high floor guy. He could get a lot of catches, and I think he makes a lot of sense at this point. So I'm going to go Justin Jefferson, and that that rounds it out. And I think if I counted correctly, we actually went 12 and 12. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So it's a very very good two class. The two night 2019 class was a lot better than I think that we thought it was before uh, before we uh, the draft last year. Uh, so that's how it worked out. So. With that, we'll try and get the move on here. Go to our Find Me a Trade segment. Find me a trade! Uh, As you know, we look every week. We take a league, and we find a trade for that person each of us finds a trade we bring you know it's a way to bring in roster construction analyze values analyze how we construct a trade so um each of us came up with a trade for this guy in a super flex 2.0 12 team ppr super flex 2.0 tight end premium so it's it's double the 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 premium and start 10 qb 2rb three wide receivers tight end super flex two flex and it's a 28 man roster and um, let me just go over his roster real quick, which is uh, he has Jared Goff, Matthew Stafford, Ryan Tannehill, quarterback, Nick Chubb, uh, Darius Geis, Jonathan Taylor, Jordan Howard, and a few other guys are running back. He's got a pretty good receiving core of uh, Michael Thomas, Cooper Cup, Landry. Uh, he's got a couple of ro- few rookies, Justin Jefferson, Denzel Mims, uh, LaVisca, and he's also at Curtis Samuels. Biggest weakness is tight end. He's basically got nobody who definitely profiles as a tight end one. He's got Everett Griffin and Joku and Uzama. And he basically said after retooling a bit, he thinks he has a playoff team. Um, he's been trying to get a tight end without much luck. So I think we all kind of uh, looked at that and, and kind of went the tight end because it's definitely his weakness. So Dustin, you have the, the big uh, monster trait here, so I'll let you go first. Yeah, so, um, you know, he definitely needs a tight end. You know, in a 2.0 tight end premium, it's it can be difficult to buy a tight end, which I think is his, his problem is, you know, trying to buy something that is skewed so much scoring-wise is, is, is difficult, especially when there's not a lot of tight end assets out there. Uh, luckily, there's a guy in his league uh, that has quite a few tight ends on his roster. I think he has... Uh, Hunter Henry, Evan Ingram, Darren Waller, and he has Mark Andrews and Ian Thomas. So he's got some some tight ends that he can play with. So my offer was to give up Michael Thomas by getting Kenny Galladay, Hunter Henry, and Tevin Coleman. Um, I didn't put this in the trade analyzer just because the DLF trade analyzer doesn't have a tight end premium on it. Um, When I put it in the trade calculator it was pretty even with these pieces um i think trading michael thomas i don't think his value is ever going to be higher than than it is right now 
Kenny Galladay is uh, still a wide receiver one, so you're probably not losing that much. And getting Hunter Henry is a reliable tight end that you can you can put in at the, with the 2.0 premium. And then Tevin Coleman just gives you, I think that Tevin Coleman has bounced back next year. And right now he isn't like, carrying a lot of value right now. So I think um, just getting him as a throw in, but I, I'm fine leaving Tevin Coleman off if if it gets the deal done. But I think selling Michael Thomas right now with, with where his value is at, I think um, this deal makes sense. What do you guys think? No, I'm with you. Uh, that that does make sense. I, I like Michael Thomas a lot, and it's it's tough to trade a, a fairly young stud wide receiver, um, but being able to get another wide receiver in return with it, and then also being to, able to address your um, you know your tight end spot, I I have no issue with it at all. And you know, in, in this this large of a premium, you're absolutely right. You're probably going to have to give at least equal, if not overpay a little bit in order to, to, to try to get that position. So I have no issue with that at all. Yeah. And I wouldn't be worried about, like I said, dropping Tevin Coleman off on this deal. The other owner looks like he, he understands the premium. So he's hoarding tight ends. Yep. So to get him to potentially give up his tight end is you're going to have to give up a name. And I think that's where Michael Thomas comes in. Yep. And uh, I think Garrett, you're, I think your trade actually was with that same owner. So we'll go ahead and have you go next. Yeah. Same team, uh, slightly different, different route. Um, now this one, uh, you know, I also plugged it in a DCC just to make sure that, you know, I wasn't, wasn't, you know, way off on anything. And this came out as a, as a bit of an overpay on your side. Uh, but the nice part is you're not giving up uh, any, any large studs. Uh, in this in this trade, so you'd be giving up Jarvis Landry, uh, who's who's Mister Reliable, always seems to end up being like that low end wide receiver one, even though no one ever acknowledges that he's a wide receiver one. He always somehow ends up in that in that range. Um, but but for your fantasy team, he could be a very uh, serviceable wide receiver two or three. Uh, Lavisca Chenault, uh, who some people are very very high on, I'm not quite as high uh, on Lavisca Chenault myself. Uh, but with a guy that loves to hoard tight ends, you're probably going to have to give back a tight end so he still has that stable and feels like he has uh, an advantage there. And so two upside guys uh, are David Njoku uh, or Gerald Everett. I have no problem giving up either one. Everett is a free agent at the end of the year, flashed a little bit with the Rams uh, this past season, showed, and he was actually kind of the 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 growing uh, growing tight end in this in this type of format. Uh, until he got injured, and then Higby really, really took off. And so now he looks to be more of the 1B. Uh, same thing with Njoku. They brought in Austin Hooper, so he might not be as exciting as he once was. Uh, but they're they're very good throw-ins in this type of deal. And then you give the owner the choice to give up the tight end that he would prefer to give up the most, which sometimes owners really have a bias towards a certain guy or not. For me, the choice of Waller, Hunter Henry, or Evan Ingram, I – I really have no issue with any one of those three. I have them all ranked basically back to back to back. They all have things you really like about them. They all have some warts. Uh, so, but overall, I think they all have a good chance to be top six tight ends this this coming season. So, I have no problem with any of them. So, Landry, Chenault, and Ninjoku uh, for one of those three of Waller, Henry, or Ingram. What do you guys think? Yeah, and. It's a piggyback kind of back on my deal. Like I put Hunter Henry in there, but if he's willing to move Ingram or Waller in this deal, like I would still make that deal. I th have all those three tight ends pretty close to each other. So like Garrett said, if he, if they, he has one that he's like, no, I'll move this one, then that's fine. Take that one. Um, so no, I, I like it. Um, you know, he's given up uh, the production of Landry, but he, I think he has enough, enough depth to be able to, re to, to take that hit Chenault hasn't really done anything. He's not losing anything at tight end there. So I, you know, the, the move makes sense to me and I think it, it fits what he's trying to do with his roster. Yeah, I agree. And I, I mean, of those three, I'd probably prefer Ingram. I think he's got probably the most reception upside of the three. Um, and with the 2.0 PPR, um, I'd probably rather have him. He's got the injury issues, but so does Henry. Um, Waller has a lot more competition now. And it's hard to get, um, you know, full value for Landry for what he really is. But um, I definitely would do that um, as well. So I guess I'll get to my trade now, which 
I struggle with this one more than I usually do with the find me trades, basically because I kind of agree with what the guy said that he probably is a playoff team. Um, I'm not totally sure if he's a, a, a full on contender though. So I just made a little baby trade um, of sending a 21 second for uh, either Jared cook or uh, Mike Kosicki. And Basically, I figured he could just um, get one of those to kind of improve his tight end room. Um, at least those guys are two starting tight ends. And if if it doesn't go well, um, he can always start selling guys and, and he can get that 2021 second back if he needs to. I'm not I'm not I don't think he needs to rebuild, but I'm not totally sure he's a, a full on contender. So that's why I just try to do. I just try to do a little trade here. And I also put on here. I happened to notice because I was looking at diff different possible lower end tight ends that he could get that Hayden Hurst, for some reason, is on waivers. So I also put on here that he should put at least half his blind bid money on Hayden Hurst. And then you have Hurst and either Cook or Gusecki. Between the two of them, you should be able to get a low end tight end one. And um, with the rest of his team, I you know I, I didn't want to give up Thomas. Um, and And as I said, I think Landry... You don't get the value that he's going to give you on your actual team when you try and trade him. Um, so that's why I, I didn't look to trade those guys. And that's what was, I think was making it tough for me to actually find a trade for this guy. But um, I like trying to do in the low end baby trade, so to speak. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm totally good with that. I think it makes a lot of sense. And especially, you know, with Hurst being on waivers, you look at in a, in a two point per reception, it, that really benefits a guy like Hurst because I don't think he's a big play guy. I don't think he's going to make, you know, all of these fantastic touchdown catches and, you know, a ton of yak yards or anything like that. But I think he is going to get fed a lot more than we actually think he will. Um, you know, you look at all of the the targets that Hooper got last year, um, you know, and, and really outside of Ridley and Jones, there's really not a lot of other players to pass the ball to. Uh, so I, I think that that's a, a very good move. I would definitely I'm on board with bidding at least half, if not more uh, of, of my money to try to get Hayden Hurst in this situation. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Maybe even more. I, I couldn't believe I, I looked through his rules and I couldn't find any reason why they, I was still like, is there a free agent draft that's coming up? But I, as far as I could tell from his league, the, the guy, there is nothing else coming up. So, yeah, I definitely think Hurst. Would, I don't understand how he's even on waivers in a two point league. But uh, so I think between him and another low end tight end one ish guy, he could be OK. And if it doesn't work out, you can, you can start selling. So that um, pretty much finishes up our show this week. I want to thank Garrett again for coming on. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. And um, again, uh, we just want to say just, uh, you know, follow um, the pod on Twitter uh, at Dynasty Junkies. Um, follow, follow Garrett at Dynasty Price. And uh, we're, I'm at Dynasty FF Addict. Dustin's at Dynasty Junkie FF. Um, if you like what you've heard, please subscribe to the pod. Please rate. Definitely re leave a review. Let us know what you think. It helps us uh, going further, what we want to do with the pod. So um, I want to, again, just say thank you for coming on, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, Garrett. Yep, no problem, guys. It was fun. Junkies out. <laughs>